Um, this past week, I got together with some of the other campus pastors. So if you're newer to Grace Church, Grace Church is one church with uh, multiple campuses. And so there's five campuses in the area here. Then there's actually a couple, strangely enough, in Atlanta, Georgia. And so anyway, we got together with some of the other campus pastors, and I was uh, listening to Gary Underwood talk. So Gary is the campus pastor of the Ellet campus. And if you know anything about the Ellet campus, um, they d- are doing right now what we did when we launched this campus. So they, are, they don't have a building right now, and so they meet at a school. And so every week they uh, have these two big trailers. So this is what, they have our old stuff. It's kind of fun. So they have two, these two big trailers that are filled with, you know, road cases with all of the stuff that they use every weekend. And so, you know, I was listening to him talk, and it was like, there's part of me that was like feeling a little nostalgic, like I miss that. And then also feeling like, wow, I'm so glad that we don't have to do that anymore. And so, but it was, re- it was like rekindling some of these memories. And so I remember one time, um, in light of what I'm going to talk about today, I remember one time, um, so, so we would have TVs, like big TVs like this on either side of the stage, and all of the like computers and sound stuff were in the back, and so what we had to do is we had to run these cables that would go from the back to the side, and then up the sides, and then go to the TV. And so 100-foot cables, right? Like I think they're HDMI cables, long cables. And so um, at the end of every night that we, we did our services, we had to like put those, like reel them up, you know, put them on a reel so that everything stayed nice and organized. And so usually when, we're t- when we were tearing stuff down, I was like, I did the grunt work, you know? Like I did the unskilled labor with those things. Like pick this heavy thing up and move it over there. Like that's what, that was my responsibility. But one week... Um, they needed somebody to do, to like wind the, the cables up. And so usually when you did it, you had the little spool and you would, you know, unplug the one end and you would start and you would just like walk around the perimeter of the room and, and wind it up. But I thought, you know what, I think it would save time if instead of doing it that way, if I just pulled all the cables to the back, like both the long 100 foot cables to the back, and then I could just stand in one place and reel it up, right? And so um, I did that. I pulled it all (laughs) to the back. And you know where I'm going with this. I pulled it all to the back, and um, I got my my spool, and I start winding it up. And I get like 20 feet into one cable, and all of a sudden, it's like stuck, you know? And I look down, and 180 feet of cable, two different cables, is in this like incredible knotted mess, tangled mess. And I'm like, "Uh uh-oh. Like, that was my first thought was, uh-oh, I'm in trouble, you know? And so I, I literally worked at it for like 15, 20 minutes like trying to untangle this. And I literally made it worse. Like I could not figure out how to untangle these cords. And so eventually I had to like take a step back and go, I am not good at this. I really messed this up. And, you know, Brad Thomas or somebody, you know, came up and they fixed it for me. And so literally, like I thought I was saving time with it but it ended up taking like five times longer than I thought it was going to. So needless to say, I, no one ever asked me to like reel up the cords again. I got out of that one, which is great, right? Tangles, Ugh. tangles. Tangles are no fun, right? Especially if we're the thing that's tangled or we're part of the tangle. And so this weekend, um, that's actually what I want to talk about. I want to talk about... Um, like things in our lives that can tangle us up. And so when you think of a tangle, uh, part of what makes a tangle a tangle is it, it's like stuck, you know? Like you can't, you can't go any further with it. It has to be worked out. 
before you can move forward, before you can progress. And so this weekend, um, that's what I want to talk about. And I want to just, um, I don't know, warn you. That, that maybe sounds not good, but um, <laughs> this is, I, I really want to challenge you this week to like um, think deeply and objectively about your life. So like we're going to talk about sin, you know, like sin is one of those things that, that can really tangle our lives. Uh, we're going to talk about other things that maybe hinder us from moving forward and growing. And so um, no one's going to, like, I'm not going to ask you to write anything down. I'm not going to ask you to say anything or turn, you know, turn to your neighbor and tell him your deepest, darkest sin. Like, I'm not going to do anything like that. But I just want to challenge you um, this morning to kind of think deeply about your own life and your own struggles and what some things that maybe are, are keeping you, um, holding you back, getting you stuck might be. Okay, so if you've got a Bible, I'd love for you to, to flip it open to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. You can also use the Grace Church app if you have that. Um, go to Hebrews 12. By the way, if you don't have a Bible of your own, we have a whole table full of them in the back. Um, you're welcome to have that. If you want one right now, if you raise your hand, we'll, we'll bring one to you here. But um, if you don't have one of your own at home and you'd like one, you're welcome to have that. So um, this weekend, we're going to continue. Actually, we're going to finish up a series that we've been doing over the last seven weeks. This is the seventh week of the series called More and More. And so in the series, if you've missed it, in this series, what we've been talking about is what it looks like for us to grow more and more like Jesus. Like, what does it look like for us to become more like Jesus? And what we've said is sometimes that's hard to determine. You know, sometimes it's hard to understand. Like, well, I don't know. Am I, am I growing? Am I sort of stuck? You know, or maybe you sit here this morning and you're like, this whole idea of growing as a Christian is kind of new to you. Maybe you came in and you're thinking, well, I thought you just like made a decision. And so now I'm a Christian. One day I'm going to go to heaven and I just sort of live my life. But when you read what the Bible says, like part of being a Christian is growing, right? There's like this maturity, there's this maturing process that's part of it. And so that's what we've been talking about over the course of this series. And we said, what are some good questions that we could ask ourselves and each other to determine, are we growing? Are we maturing as Christians, as followers of Jesus? And so I want to just kind of quickly show you where we've been. I won't take too long with this, but I think it might be good to get us all on the same page in light of the rest of our conversation today. So the first week, we talked about just this idea of what is a disciple? Like, what does it look like for us to follow Jesus? And we just laid that foundation. What we did was we looked at the rabbi-disciple relationship, the Jewish rabbi-disciple relationship. And what we said was that's kind of indicative of what it means to be a Christian, what it means to follow Jesus. He's our rabbi. He's our master, and we're his disciple. And so our life is based on his life. Just like a disciple's life was based on their rabbi or their master, our life as Christians is based on Jesus' life. And so we dug into that. I'd really encourage you, if you miss that, that, that um, sermon, what, what the topic, I don't know if it was like the best sermon, but that topic that we talked about, I think is really imperative in understanding what it means to be a Christian. So I'd encourage you, maybe if you have some questions that way, that might be a good one for you to listen to online. The next couple weeks, we're really connected. And so in week two, we said, is your understanding of God's love growing? One of the ways, one of the indicators that I understand if I'm maturing as a Christian, if I'm growing as, growing as a Christian, is, is my understanding of his love for me growing more and more. And so we just spent that week looking at like the, the breadth and the depth of God's love for us how intricate and specific it is. And we, and we you know, kind of investigated that and just 
mulled that over and said, wow, he loves us in incredible ways. Sometimes we can forget that because we look at our lives and we're like, I'm not perfect. Sometimes I'm not very lovely. And yet he loves us with an incredible depth. The following week was really connected with that. And we said, is your love for God growing more and more? Is God, do I understand more and more God's love for me? And as I understand that, it does something inside of us, right? Like as I get how much God loves me, it like provokes this response, this desire inside of me to love him back, right? And so they're both deeply connected to each other. And what we said was those two weeks are really what it means to be a Christian because understanding how God loves me and me loving him back, what are those both really about? relationship, right? Like God loves me. I love him. We have a relationship with each other. And we said, that's the, the foundation of Christianity. It's a relationship. It's not going to church. It's not reading our Bible. It's not doing good and not doing bad. Those are implications. Those are results. But the foundation of Christianity is all about this relationship. And what we said was that next week, actually weeks four, five, and six are all about those implications. Those are the results of a relationship. When I have a relationship with God and I understand how much he loves me and I love him back, it leads me to live my life a certain way. And so I start loving people the way that Jesus loves people. Is my love for those Jesus loves growing more and more, right? I start living for what Jesus lives for. Like what he lived for, what was important to him becomes important to me. I start having the attitude of Jesus. Like what Jesus valued and the way that he acted starts to be the way that I act right? And so that's where we've been. So foundation of Christianity is all about relationship, and then that leads to some actions, some results, some outcomes and effects in our lives. This week, what I want to talk about, again, is this idea of things that tangle us. Really, it's about barriers. Like, what are the barriers in our lives that keep us from growing, that keep us from becoming more and more like Jesus? So this is, go ahead to that next slide. This is what we're going to talk about today. What are the things that keep you from becoming more and more like Jesus? What are the things that keep you from becoming more and more like Jesus? So the way I want to do it is I want to look at this passage in Hebrews chapter 12. So hopefully you're there. Let me give you a little bit of context before we jump into the passage. So the book of Hebrews is all about, like if you're going to sum it up in like a few words, the book of Hebrews is all about Jesus is greater. That's what the whole book is really about. And it just looks at how he's more powerful, more supreme than anyone or anything else. And so it talks about how he's greater than the angels. He's greater than Moses. He's greater than this guy named Melchizedek. Like Jesus is greater than anyone and anything else. So it's all about the power and the supremacy of Jesus. And so in chapter 11, so we're going to pick up in chapter 12. In chapter 11, right before where we're going to be at, is all about these men and women of long since past that were like people of deep faith. And so chapter 11 is kind of like the faith hall of fame, right? And so it looks back at all of these people from centuries past that are in the Bible, that love God, were faithful to him, that are kind of like the, the heroes of the faith. That's what chapter 11 is all about. So by the time we get to chapter 12, where we're going to pick up, the writer of Hebrews, so by the way, we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. We're not 100% sure. So we're going to say the writer of Hebrews. So the writer of Hebrews um, challenges us to kind of get out of the tangles of sin to get out, to throw off the stuff that's hindering us and holding us back and instead run the race that God has marked out for us, okay? So I want to look at it. This is uh, Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 1. He says, Therefore, 
since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, those are the people in chapter 11, the Hall of Fame of Faith, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He says, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Okay, this is where I want to spend actually all of our time here this morning. So let's talk about this. So he starts out with the word therefore, right? He says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. So that word therefore is a connecting word, right? Like basic English, right? So it takes, it connects what's right before with what's right after. We already talked about what's right before. So we're in chapter 12. What's right before in chapter 11 is this hall of fame of faith, right? It's like the faith hall of fame. That's what's before. And so, so I want you to like understand this. As Christians, so if you sit here this morning and you would say, I, yes, I am a Christian. I identify as a Christian. As Christians, we're part of the family of God, right? And so these people, these heroes of the faith, these men and women of incredible depth of faith in chapter 11 are actually, if you're a Christian here this morning, they're your brothers and sisters, right? They're the brothers and sisters of our faith. And so we're part of this line, this family line that stretches, I think this is such a cool thought, that stretches over generations and thousands of years. Those that trust God and are faithful to God. Those are our brothers and sisters. We're part of this family line. And, and, and I don't know if you think about this. I do. Today is our time. Today is our time, right? Like they had their time, right? Today is our time. Your life is writing a story. You ever think about this? Your life is writing a story that other people are going to learn. And so for some, few I would say, it may be a story that is broadly known. Like these men and women in chapter 11, their story of faith, their faithfulness, their love for God is broadly known. We're reading about them thousands of years later. For most of us, Probably it will be, it might only be our, our family and our close friends that know our story, but each of us are writing, our lives are writing a story. So here's a good question for us to think about. What kind of story is your life writing? I mean, think about your life. Again, no one's going to make you answer out loud or anything like that. I mean, think about your life. Like, what kind of story is your life writing? How will other people remember you? You know, will they remember you as somebody of resolve? of somebody of deep faith, dependence on God? Or will they remember you as something else, as something less than that? It's a good question. See, sometimes we can just like live life, like I'm just existing. I'm just like getting through the day today. And we don't stop and ask ourselves like, what kind of story is my life writing, right? So, so Again, like understand, so we're part of this family of God. He uses the term cloud of witnesses. We're part of this cloud of witnesses, and right now is our time. Our lives are writing a story, right? And so he says, therefore, he goes on, he says, let us throw off everything that hinders in the sin that so easily entangles. Let us throw, we're part of the, fam the family of God. We have this legacy in chapter 11. We're part of it. Now's our time. Therefore, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. So I read that and I see two distinct categories, right? 
two distinct categories. One is everything that hinders. The other one is the sin that so easily entangles. Everything that hinders, the sin that so easily entangles. So I want to look at both of those here for a minute. Let's start with the first one, everything that hinders. So sometimes when the Bible is translated into English, so it was originally written in Greek and Hebrew, Hebrew and Greek, Hebrew, the Old Testament, Greek, the New Testament. Sometimes when it's translated into English, there's like not direct equivalence. And so you, you, you lose a little meaning at times. This is one of those phrases where I think you lose a little bit of meaning. It's an interesting phrase. So this phrase that's translated everything that hinders, it carries with it the idea of like carrying something heavy. Like I'm carrying this, this weighty, heavy mass with me. And when you carry something heavy, it hinders you, right? Like it makes life harder. I've, I've talked about CrossFit stuff here in the past. One of the things that you do in CrossFit that's an exercise is you, they're called weighted carries, and they are exactly what they sound like. You carry something heavy. And it's amazing how hard, like when you, when you pick up a big 100-pound sandbag and you hold it right here and you walk with it, it's amazing how much harder it is to get from point A to point B than if you're not carrying anything, right? It's much harder. And so you go back to this phrase, everything that hinders, it has this idea of I'm carrying something really heavy and it's restricting my movement. It's not sin necessarily, like a sandbag is not sinful, other when you're carrying it, it might feel sinful, but a sandbag's not sinful, right? It's not inherently bad. It's just like excess baggage that weighs us down and hinders our progress. So let me ask you a question. Do you ever feel like your life is so full that you are carrying around a hundred pound sandbag everywhere that you go? You ever feel like, man, I got like, I'm juggling so many balls right now. It makes just living life harder. It makes getting from point A to point B harder. It's like I'm carrying this huge load. That's what this is talking about here. Stuff that's not necessarily bad. It's not necessarily wrong, but it's like this excess baggage that we're carrying that's hindering us from growing that's hindering us from becoming more and more like Jesus. So that's the first part. The second part is the sin that so easily entangles. And so whereas the first one, everything that hinders, is not necessarily bad, it's not necessarily sinful, this one clearly is. It actually uses the word sin, right? The sin that so easily entangles. And I'll bet we all have at least a general idea of what you mean, what he means when he says sin. Sin essentially is doing wrong, right? And so these are things that are against God's desires for us. They're things that are, that are like are missing the mark. They wander outside of his standards. And so what it says is those things entangle us. I like how another translation, this is another one that there's like a lot of intricacy in the, in the wording here. Another translation says that they cling closely to us. So they entangle us. They cling closely. I think of like being wrapped in saran wrap. Right? Like it's kind of what sin does. It binds us up. It entangles us. Another translation says it skillfully surrounds us. Like it, it, sur it knows what it's doing and it surrounds us and it binds us and it impedes our progress, entangles us. Let me ask you a question. Do you ever feel this way in your life with sin? It's okay, by the way, to admit that you struggle with sin. We all do. I do. You do. Like we all do. And what it says is sin, like, dang, it can tangle us. It can, like, bind us up. It can make us stuck. You ever feel that way in your life? Like you're just in, like you're in the ball of tangled cords and you cannot figure out how to get out of it. That's what the writer's talking about here. 
So we have these two categories of things that keep us from becoming more like Jesus. So, so let's double click on those for a second. What might those look like in our lives? Like, what do you think that might look like? What do you think the thing, everything that hinders might look like in your life? What do you think the sin that so easily entangles might look like in your life? Well, I think they look different depending on who we are, right? None of us, so we all struggle with sin. No one struggles with every sin, right? This is not how it works, but we all struggle with some sin. So what does this look like in your life? Let me, let me, let's start with the second one because I think it's a little bit, generally a little bit easier to recognize sin than just stuff that I'm carrying that's holding me back, right? So let's talk about that. Here's a question. What kinds of sin get you tangled up? I think about your own life. What kinds of sin, we all struggle, what kinds of sin get you tangled up? There's, there's a, um, a few places in the Bible that kind of give you a list of some of the different sins. You know, they give you a list of sins. One of them is a place in Galatians 5, and I'm going to read this to you, because maybe it will spark something, and you're like, yeah, I struggle with that, I struggle with that, I struggle with that. This is Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. We'll throw it up on the screen, too. It says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. That's sin. The acts of the flesh, sin, are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. There's a list, right? Maybe for you, one of the things that you struggle with, you personally struggle with sexual immorality. It's somewhere in the realm of sexual immorality. So maybe it's like guarding my eyes, you know, and just like being, like looking at too much, guarding my thoughts. Maybe we struggle with that. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe if you're married, it's adultery. Maybe if you're not married, you're having sex with your boyfriend or your girlfriend, right? Like maybe for you, the area of struggle, the sin that you're entangled up in is, is in the realm of sexual immorality, some sort of sexual struggle. Maybe for you, it, may, it might be some sort of self-control issue, you know? Like, like, I just, I get so angry and I feel like I can't control it. I just got my, like, I'm going to explode. Maybe it's an anger issue. Maybe it's laziness. Maybe it's the opposite of laziness. Maybe it's not taking rest. Maybe it's overspending. Maybe it's gluttony. It could look a lot of different ways. Maybe for you, it's a self-control issue. Maybe for you, it might be an idolatry issue. You know what I mean by that? Like if you're looking, if somebody were to look objectively at your life, they would go, well, you actually spend a lot more time worshiping focused on this person or this stuff than you do on the God that you say you worship, Right? Maybe for you, it's more of an idolatry issue. Or maybe it's more of an interpersonal issue, like relationship stuff. And so maybe it's jealousy, or it's gossip, or hatred, or, or envy, or disunity, or selfishness, or dishonoring your parents, or unforgiveness, or vengefulness, or whatever. Here's what I know. Sin can be so doggone destructive in our lives. You know, we're, we're in the series, we're talking about growing, right? Like, what does it look like for me? To, how do I grow as a Christian? Sin will stop growth cold. It just does. It stunts it 100%, especially when we accept it, when we justify it, 
or when we ignore it, it absolutely stunts our growth. When I was growing up, people would say, in fact, I remember my mom saying, don't drink coffee, it will stunt your growth. You ever hear that? Don't drink. So my brother drank coffee like every day as a kid growing up. I never did. He's 5'11". I measured myself the other day. I'm shrinking. <laughs> I'm not even 5'7 yet, still. I used to be. Coffee does not stunt your growth, but you know what it does? Sin. Sin stunts our spiritual growth. It keeps us from becoming more and more like Jesus. It's what it does. It also deeply can deeply affect our relationships with other people, right? I think it's interesting to note that just like um, you, I was gonna say you and I, could put a hat on our tangles. I don't have hair, so I can't have tangled hair, but if you have tangled hair and you could take a hat and you could cover it up and hide it, a lot of times we could do that with our sins too, right? Our tangled mess, our, our entanglement in sin, we just, we hide it. We can cover it up. We can't do that with everything. If you have like a fit of rage, it's very difficult to hide, right? But a lot of things, we can just hide them. Guys, listen, can I lovingly encourage you and challenge you that if you have some sin that you're hiding in your life, that you've, you've put the hat on, covered it up, I just lovingly encourage you and challenge you Take the hat off. Take the hat off. It's not easy, but when you allow like the, the twisted, tangled mess to be exposed, it changes everything. It's liberating. I, I think it's also an important part of what we get to do for each other. Like when you, when you take the hat off and you allow other people in, part of what the church does is not judge you. We don't stand up and look down on our noses and go, man, you struggle with that. I don't struggle with that. That's a really bad sin. That's not what the church does. But we help. But the church can't help until the sin's exposed. Until we go, I struggle with this. I need help with this. I really encourage you to take the hat off if there's sin that you're hiding. So what kinds of sin get you tangled up? How about the other stuff? The things that hinder us? I think, I think a lot of times this one's harder to put our, our finger on. We look at sin and we're like, yeah, I know it's sin. It's like, I shouldn't, I shouldn't do that. Like, I know I shouldn't do that. But the things that hinder us are a little bit harder to see. So here's the question. What kinds of things hinder you? I think in your own life, what kinds of things hinder you from growing, from maturing as a Christian, from becoming more and more like Jesus? I think there's another thing that will look very different depending on the person. So maybe for a lot of people, it's busyness. Like if we're honest, we're like, man, I got so much stuff going on. I don't have time in my life to sit down and slow down and think about the ways that God loves me. I don't have time in my life to like read his word. I don't have time in my life to pray. I got so much stuff going on. Maybe for you, it's busyness. That's the thing that hinders. Maybe going along with that, um, it's distraction. Like I'm choosing to be distracted over and over and over again so that I don't have to really think about anything important, you know, so that I don't really have to deal with any of like real life stuff, important life stuff. Maybe going along with that, I have, I have a couple friends that are this way. Um, they use entertainment that way. Like their life is all about leisure. All they do when they're not working, it's like filling their life with things that they enjoy. All they do is fill their life with things that feel good. And so they never spend any time thinking about things that are important. They very seldom spend time thinking about other people. 
right? Maybe for you, it's like this entertainment, this leisure thing. A couple weeks ago, I talked about sports. Like sports can be that way. It could be one of those things that hinder us. I love sports, but man, you know, sports aren't my life. I don't want them to be my life. Or exercise, right? Like the joke in CrossFit world is once you start doing CrossFit, all you want to do is talk about CrossFit. <laughs> it's like a cold or something. I'm like, well, that's not good either. Like those things are fine unless they start overpowering your life, right? Maybe for you, it's money. You know, being overly focused on money. I need to make more. I don't have enough. I need to save more. I need to plan ahead. Maybe for you, it's fear. Man, what a, what a heavy weight fear can be. That can be one of those things that absolutely gets us stuck. Maybe for you, it's unhealthy relationships, right? Maybe people in your life that you're giving a little too big of a role in your life. Right? Like if you're honest, maybe their negative influence on you is greater than your positive influence on them. And the best thing to do is for everybody is to limit that time with them. See, I look at all of these, and maybe it's different for you, like what you're carrying that's hindering you. Maybe it's different for you, but I look at all these, and I'm like, none of them are inherently bad. You know, even like unhealthy relationships. As Christians, each of us should still have relationships with people that are hard, that are challenging. It doesn't mean we, we just go, no, no, you're like poison in my life and I push you away. We don't do that. But it's like all of these things can become a big, heavy burden that we're carrying, this weight that's holding us back from becoming more and more like Jesus. I also think it's interesting to note that some of these things that are hindering us and weighing us down, according to like our culture and the world, they would say, no, 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 that's fine. Like, why, why are you against that? That's fine. Like, busyness, for example. So a lot of people go, if you're busy, then you're a hard worker. You know, you're a go-getter. That's actually a good thing. But as Christians, like, when we say, you know, Jesus is my rabbi, he's my master, I'm his disciple, then we have a whole different value system, you know? And we're like, no, actually, resting is good for us. That's healthy, Right? So the writer of Hebrews, what's he saying about these things? Like, what are we supposed to do with them? He says, throw them off, right? Get rid of them. Get rid of the stuff that's weighing us down. Instead, he goes on, instead he says, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Guys, just a reminder, God has a race for you to run in this life. Like, God has plans for you. If you're a runner, you get this. He's got a course marked out for you to attack and conquer. You know, sometimes we can look at our lives and it's like, well, I, I don't know. I'm just like, I'm existing. I'm just wandering through life. I'm trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do. And I'm, I'm working hard at figuring it out. God's got plans for you and me, for each of us. He's got a race marked out for our lives. Are we running his race or are we running our race, Right? And so, you know, I, th I think about um, you know, th this idea of throwing this stuff off, running the race that he's got for us, and you think, how do we do it? Like, how do, I, how do I throw this stuff off, the heavy burden that I'm carrying that I don't really need to carry, the sin that's like tangling me up, wrapping me up like saran wrap, how do I get rid of, how do I throw this stuff off and run the race with perseverance that God has for me? Well, I think it's actually um, very simple. I don't think it's easy I think it's very simple. Let me explain it this way. Let me explain it with a story. How do we do this? How do we let go of all of this stuff? So um, about a year ago, my, my family made an exciting purchase. 
Okay, so, so two years ago, we moved. So we, we wanted a house that was a little bit of a smaller house. We just didn't need the, the house that we had. And we wanted a yard that was bigger. So we had like, uh, you know, quarter acre planned community allotment sort of thing. And we're like, man, it would just be so nice to have a bigger yard. So we, so we ended up moving. We bought this house. So we went from about a quarter of an acre to um, just under an acre. Okay, and so if you're the lawn mowing person in your household and your family, you know that to mow a quarter of an acre with a push mower is cool. It's fine. It takes you know 40 minutes, something like that. To mow almost an acre with a push mower is torture. Like that is hell on earth. That's terrible. It takes forever to do it. So when we bought this house, we um, the, the previous owner had this old John Deere tractor, and it was it was pretty old. Um, it, but we're like, well, we're going to need a tractor. We're not going to be able to push them. It'll take forever. And so we negotiated it in. We had this old tractor that, that we had with it. And so it still took an hour and a half to mow this because my yard has like all these weird angles, barn and fences and trees and stuff. And so you're, you're going around. And when you're on a big tractor with a steering wheel, you, know, you get to the end of a row and you're like, and, and you're like, and you have to swoop around like big loops, right, to turn. So about, about a year ago, right at this time, we bought a zero-turn tractor. Yes! It was so awesome. I love it. So you guys are not nearly as excited as I am about my zero-turn tractor. But, um, so if you're, if you're not familiar with the zero-turn tractor, it's got like these two arms on it, right? And so what you can do is you can get to the, you can like do a stripe, do a row, and then at the end, instead of like turning the big steering wheel and going, making a big loop to get to the other side, all you do is you go like this, and it goes, boop, and it turns around just like that. And it goes faster too. And so I went from it taking an hour and a half to mow my yard to 45 minutes. It's absolutely amazing. However, there's a learning curve with these things. They're, they're not that easy to operate, right? And so they're very sensitive. And so, um, I, especially at first, it was a struggle, especially when it's like my first line, you, you, it's tough to go straight with it, you know? And so even like later lines, you know, usually when you drive a tractor or a mower or whatever, uh, you line your front wheel up with like the edge of the uncut grass, right? And you just kind of, you look down this way and you keep going, but you can't do that. At least I couldn't, maybe you're more skilled than me. I couldn't do that with these tractors. So what I had to do was, instead of staring down at my front wheel, making sure I was at the edge, I had to look at a place in the distance. Right? So like maybe a telephone pole on the road or a street sign or a tree. And so instead of looking here, if I looked here, my lines looked like this. It was very embarrassing, very embarrassing. But if I looked out ahead in the distance at a telephone pole and I'm like, that's what I'm aiming for. That's what I'm going straight for. It's amazing how my lines became very straight. Why do I tell you that? Guys, listen, it's the same thing when we're looking to throw off all of the garbage in our lives, all of the things that are hindering us, all of the sin that's entangling us, we don't just stare down right in front of us at what we're dealing, the edge of the grass. Instead, we look up and we look toward Jesus. It's so tempting. It's so easy to go, I got this gunk in my life. I got this hard stuff in my life. I got to deal with it. Here's a sin I got to deal with. And we're just looking down at ourselves instead of lifting our head up and looking at Jesus on the horizon. Look, look at the back of the passage. Look at Hebrews 12, the second part of verse 1. It says, let us run the race with perseverance. Run the, I'm sorry, run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. What's it say? Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. 
consider him, right? Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. How do we not grow weary and lose heart in the race that God has for us? We focus on Jesus, right? We focus on him. We don't just stare down at the edge of the grass. We don't stare down at our life and go, man, I'm a screw up. I struggle with this, 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 and this. I got so much stuff going on. I got to figure this out. I got to work through this. That doesn't get us anywhere. I've said this, this sort of thing many times from up here. You know why? Because the first few years of my life as a Christian, I screwed this up royally. Because when I, when I came to Christ, it was like all of a sudden my eyes were open to some of the rotten things in my life that I didn't see before. You know, the sinful things. I, if I'm honest, I did not recognize them before. And all of a sudden, I'm like disgusted with myself. And I'm like, I got to work through this. I got to work through this. I got to deal with this. I got to try harder. I have to have this accountability. And da 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 I'm trying. I'm looking down the whole time. And the next thing you know, the lines of my life look like this. And it wasn't until finally I started looking up to Jesus. And I'm like, I need you to heal me. I need you to help me deal with this. I need you to help make this sin look less attractive to me. And, it, and it's like counterintuitive for us because we think that I got to deal with the issue. I have this struggle. I have this gunk in my life and I got to deal with the issue. I got to work through the issue. But here's the thing. The secret is not try really hard and work through the issue. The secret to overcome, to throwing off all this stuff that we need to throw off so that we could grow more and more like Jesus, it, the secret is to make Jesus a bigger deal in our lives than the struggle. I say that again because it's really important. The key, the secret to throwing off this stuff is to make Jesus a bigger deal in our lives than the struggle is. He's the one that can bring us healing that's different that's lasting, that's permanent. He's actually the one that makes us not want, not even desire to do some of the stuff that right now may seem so, like to have such a stronghold in our lives. He changes everything. So, so with that being said, with that as the foundation, let me end this way. Let me, let me give you some practical things. So all this is like predicated on this idea of when, you got, when we got stuff that we need to throw off, we don't just try really hard to throw it off. I'm going to do it all myself. I'm looking down. It's all predicated on the idea I'm looking ahead to Jesus. I'm looking at him, right? But let me give you some just real practical things that I've found helpful in my life. So here's, here's the first one. So these, this is the ones about the, um, everything that hinders. So the stuff in our life that's just like stuff that's taking up space that maybe um, is not sinful stuff, but like how do, we, how do we practically deal with it? Here's the first thing. Ask someone else to help you carry your load. Like ask somebody else for help. It's amazing how if we're actually looking for help from other people, it's amazing how many other people are willing to help. I actually want to help. Now, we have to be humble enough to accept it, which is hard many times, right? And they might not do it the same way. They might, not, they might do it differently. They might not even do it as well. But it's amazing when we're humble enough to ask for help and we allow people to help us, not only does it then help us, but it actually deepens our relationship with that person too. You ever experienced that? Like when I let other people help me in my life, all of a sudden, like we have a closer relationship. It's amazing how that works. So who are people, maybe there's somebody else in your life that could shoulder some of the burden 
that you're carrying. That's the first thing. Here's the second thing, and this has been very helpful for me. I have to remind myself of this often. I said, think simplify. Think simplify. What if we looked objectively and honestly at our lives and we asked ourselves, what doesn't need done? You know, like, what am I making a big deal of that in the big picture of things is not a big deal? What, what am I, like, carrying and shouldering and burdened with that in the big picture is actually unnecessary? You know? What are ways that I could simplify in my life? This is one of those things I've got to continually ask myself. Because, you know, like anybody else, there's, there's, always, there's lots of different things that vie for our time. It's amazing when we look objectively, though, you go, you know, but this is not a big deal. I could let this go, and it actually doesn't affect much. I'm not saying let go of the little things that do affect a lot. But I'm saying most of us have stuff in our lives that we're like, this is, this is taking up a lot of time, and it's really unnecessary. How about this? Let's talk about some things that, um, that deal with that, that sin that so easily entangles. I have five things and we're done. Here's the first one. Take off the hat. (laughs) Take off the hat. Admit that there's a problem. Stop covering up the sin. Stop, Stop putting the hat on the tangled mess. Stop hiding it and pretending like nothing's wrong. And, and, you know, when we expose the tangled mess of our lives, that can be really hard. That can be uncomfortable. It can be embarrassing humbling. It's also really liberating. It's really liberating. When we take the hat off, you know, one of the things the Bible talks about with sin, um, it it relates sin to darkness, you know. When you cover something up, you shove it in a closet, you put a hat over it, you're like, you're entrenching it in darkness. Something about, like, when you let the light in, when you let God in to all of that and you expose it, there's this healing that is powerful and liberating. So that'd be the first thing I'd challenge you. Are there any hats that are covering tangled messes in your life that you just need to take off. Here's the second thing. Confess your sins to your rabbi. Confess your sins to your rabbi. If you're here this morning for the first time, you might be thinking, wait a minute, they have rabbis here? What are you talking about? I'm not talking about like people rabbi. I'm talking about Jesus as our rabbi. Jesus is our master. Confess our sin to our master. Admit it to God. You know, bring Jesus into the struggle. Be honest with him about about your rebelliousness. Sometimes we don't see sin that way. We see sin as like, yeah, maybe selfishness, but rebelliousness, yes. Sin is ultimately rebellion against God. And we confess it to him when we bring him into that struggle and we ask for forgiveness and then accept it, which sometimes is hard for people. It's amazing the healing that that could have in our lives. Closely connected to that is the next one. Commit to God to turn away from your sin. There's one thing to confess. Like with my kids, they do something wrong and they confess to me. They're like, okay, I did it. I screwed up. I shouldn't have done that. That's good. But I also want them to like learn from it and not do it, like to to turn from those things and not do those things anymore, right? Same thing with God. We confess to him, but then we also have to commit to him that I'm going to turn away from these things. Are there things in your life that you need to confess to him? And are there things in your life that you need to say, I commit to you, God, that I am going to turn away from this stuff? The Bible word for that is repentance. That's what I'm talking about, repentance. I'm turning away from it. How about this? Two more. Share your struggle with another disciple. Share your struggle with another disciple. One of the things that's super helpful in getting untangled from, from sin is have other people help you get untangled. 
And I'm not talking about just, you know, share it with anybody. I'm talking about another Christian. Somebody that has the same value system as you do. Somebody that understands the struggle, the stuff that you're going through. It's one thing to confess to God when nobody else is involved in it. It just, there's incredible healing when we also let other people in. And we're like, I'm, I'll, let me just be honest with you. Let me, I'll, let me open the, the deep, dark closet door that I've been hiding things in, in the dark, and let me allow you into it, into that part of my life. It's amazing how healing and liberating that can be. Here's the last thing, fifth thing, seventh thing, I guess. Don't give up. <laughs> like when you fall down again, which you will, which I will, don't give up. We continue on. We start back over. We dust ourselves off. We get back up. We confess again to God. We take off the hat first, right? We confess. We commit to turn away from it. We tell the person in our life, I did it again. You know, I struggle. I'm still struggling with this. And we keep going, right? Sometimes we can live our lives with our eyes fixed on ourselves. And we're like, man, I suck. I'm, I'm sorry. Should have said, I stink. I'm terrible at this. (laughs) Right? Instead of having our eyes fixed on Jesus, not on our failures and our shortcomings, but instead to see ourselves the way that God sees us. How does God see us? How do you think God sees you? Here's how God sees us beautiful, valuable works in progress. Not finished product. Didn't expect that from you and me. Works in progress. Beautiful flawed and yet treasured will you commit to never give up when you fall again pull, pull out your program that you got when you, when you came in if you would could, could you pull out this little the darker yellow card in there this has more and more questions on it so this is a summary of where we've been throughout this series and um, it's cool talking to some of you, like you've been taking vigilant notes with this and writing down these questions and these verses and things. I, I wanted to put it all on one sheet of paper, front and back, that you could like put in your Bible and you could just keep with you. And, and to continually, so the purpose is that we continue to ask ourselves these questions. You know, like how, if I, if I want to grow as a Christian, these are a good set of questions for us to continually wrestle with. But here's the thing. Here's I want to cha- here's I want to end. Here's I want to challenge you. Go ahead and do that next slide. So each week I've been trying to give you a challenge. Don't just do this with yourself. Don't just ask yourselves these questions. But would you consider establishing a partnership with another disciple, with somebody else that's a Christian, where you commit to meet regularly and help support each other in becoming more and more like Jesus? where you're like, I will open up my life to somebody. I think it's helpful. You can do it. You're adults. You can choose however you want. I think it's helpful to have somebody other than like a spouse or a boyfriend or a family member. I think it's helpful to have another Christian who's a friend of yours, same-sex friend. I think it's generally the most helpful. You can make your own decisions with that. But somebody in your life that you could, you know, we say this a lot here, like your faith is not just for you. Your faith is also to make an impact on other people in the world. So I challenge you, like, is there somebody that you could invite into your life that they would also invite you into their lives that you could help each other grow that way?